Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Frog Snacks podcast. We are here um, in the wake, in the bloody wake of the Evolution Championship Series. Very um, bloody wake. The very bloody wake. This episode, uh, episode 23, we've got here for you. Uh, we, um, we, had a, we had a blast uh, watching Evo this year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we're, we're going to spend most of, the, uh, of this episode talking about fighting games. Um, if, you, if you weren't aware, the, uh, we mentioned it last week, but uh, the Evolution Championship Series was this weekend. Uh, Evo for short, it is the, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and avoid uh, a hyperbolic statement here and, and just say that it is uh, arguably the most important fighting game tournament in North America. Uh, I would I would probably say the world, frankly. Uh, okay, all right. Well, I I wanted to avoid hyperbole, but yes, the world. Uh, there there is definitely a, a very international presence at the tournament. Um, so much so that I think there were there was only one. There were there were only two North American uh, people in the in the top eight of Street Fighter this year. Right. Well, now for any game, whether North, because I don't remember off the top of my head if North America was in any of the games, like top eight. Um, I will bring up the uh, the like final standings right now, um, and I'll I, it'll it'll tell you uh, it'll tell you everything. But um, so so a, a brief history um evo has ex- has existed in some form since about the mid 90s and it yes. has it has grown uh it has changed its name at least once and it is now um it it is now the biggest stage it is now fighting fighting games biggest stage it's uh, the super bowl it is the super it is the super bowl of um the fighting world. Okay, uh, so it looks like uh, the uh, the games the games that were represented this year, um, the newest iteration of Street Fighter Four, Ultra Street Fighter Four. Yep. Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Three. Everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite. Melee. Classics. Mortal Kombat Ten. The newcomer. Guilty Gear XRD Dash Sign Dash. <laughs> Just saying, it's Guilty Gear. <laughs> Guilty Gear. The newest, All you need to know. The 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 either either the newest or the most competitively viable version of Guilty Gear. Yep. Um, Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. Tekken Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Super Smash Brothers. Oof. And P four A Persona Four Arena. Um, also an amazing game. So looking at uh, looking at the winners here, uh, looks like so uh, top eight for Street Fighter. There were two Americans. Um, the rest were uh, East Asian. Yep. Uh, Marvel. We had a good mix of North American and Japanese players. The winner was actually Chilean. Who won this year for Marvel? Uh, Kane Blue River. Oh shit! I didn't know him. Yeah. Um, so so we you know we we did a lot of research and um, 
I mean, I did a lot of research. And the, the interesting thing about the fighting game watch. scene, in, the fighting game tournament scene in general, is that uh, there is – a lot of these tournaments are open, meaning you don't need to qualify through previous tournaments. Right. You can just enter. Um, now, it's – They do it's, have the road to Evo though, which is a bunch of like tournaments sure, they do all the time. Sure, sure. It's like the – yeah, it's like the lead up to – but – it's not like um, it's not like World Cup qualifiers where they right. they count and you can get eliminated and then all of the remaining people go to Evo. It's not like that. Right. Um, so what you what you get to see a lot of is uh, you know uh, nobodies pretty much can show up and and uh, end up being involved in these crazy upsets. It happens every year. Um, and there's always somebody who wins and you're like, who the hell is that? <laughs> um, all the established people are like, wait, what? And then, and then that person will probably never show up again. Like the person who won street fighter last year for Evo was uh, some guy from France who played, who was a Rose player. Not only that's was, right. That guy. Yeah. I yep, got his name. Not only, not only was Rose not, didn't even make an appearance in the top eight. That dude, I, like God knows where he went. I he probably got nobody eliminated. Nobody uses Rose. Nobody uses Rose. And this this uh, guy from France just won. I see. His name was uh, Oliver Hay, and his uh, his his tag was Luffy. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's he, right. That's he, right. Yep. He beat out uh, he beat out Ricky Ortiz, Fudo, uh, Bonchan, um, Momochi, the guy who won this year. Right. Big names. And this Luffy dude from France, who's a Rose player, just showed up and was like, "Everything you know is a lie." Yeah, he cleaned everybody up. And and this this happens every year in all in all the games. So it's it's um, it's really uh, it's really an exciting, it's really an exciting uh, environment in general. And then the tournament itself is just about as hype as it gets. Yeah, just to add a little bit of commentary there too is that the thing that makes Evo unique even among video game events is that it is simultaneously a gigantic you know as you said the super bowl you know yep it is simultaneously the most important competitive event in the scenes roster for the entire year but it is also a convention Mm -hmm. so one of the things that people love most about evo is that you basically just get to go there and like any other convention, the beauty of it is going there and nerding out with all these other people who are obviously obsessed with the same thing you are. In this case, you know, the intricacy and beauty of fighting games. So for the folks that may not know, at Evo often, you know, we get all sorts of new games demoed and um, there'll be discussions on upcoming games as well as, you know, updates to current games like Capcom. Most major things Street Fighter related, Capcom likes to reserve for their talk at Evo, which I think is a great thing that they do. Yeah. Including some stuff they talked about Street Fighter Five, which we'll get to later. But uh, yeah. Evo is 100% a usual nerd con, just as much as a, you know, hotly contested uh, bragging rights competition. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great. Like they had, uh, they had, um, they had Street Fighter Five beta up at the tournament for free to play, free to play, right? Yep. Um, which is great. Um, 
and it's it's a it takes place in a convention center, uh, and the whole thing is streamed on Twitch. And we we were watching uh, we were watching the the finals. Uh, they saved the Street Fighter Four finals for last, and at that point, uh, there were about um, I think there were two hundred fifty thousand people watching it on Twitch live. The, just the Street Fighter finals. And then they, the, the running total just for that one channel, because the way that they did it was they, they split it up into like six or seven different channels. Yep. That's what they usually do. Yep. And then the, the one channel that was uh, broadcasting Street Fighter. So this is just one out of the seven had a running total from the whole weekend of 25 million people, which is completely staggering, completely staggering. These are, these are actual Super Bowl numbers, like the actual Super Bowl. Pretty much, and um, and this is just one channel. So add them all together. You probably had you probably had like fifty million people total over the course of the weekend. At least take a peek. All right. So um, we wanted to we wanted to devote uh, this this episode to like um, you know like Frog said the the intricacies and the beauty of competitive fighting games. Um, Frog and I have been around the scene for, um, I would say, I would say probably for, for like 10 years. I mean, yeah, it's it, a decade now. It definitely for me, it's a decade. It's and, and, decade. But, it, but it depends on what you consider the scene. Like we've, uh, we, we've had the discussion of, you know, uh, not everybody who plays video games calls themselves a gamer. Right. And a lot can be uh, – y- you can sort of make the same argument for fighting games. Like you can play fighting games but not be involved in the, compu- in the community. Like I've been playing fighting games since uh, Tekken 3 came out in what, 97 or 98, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played I played Smash Brothers for N64 with my friends for w- way too long. Um, Haven't we all? Yeah, and, and – you know, I've been playing that since that came out. So, you know, albeit small, but me and my brother playing Tekken 3 and me and my friends, just us, playing playing Smash Brothers, um, even if it's just a couple of people, you've, you've built yourself a, a, a small local community. And it gets bigger from there. There are, there are communities that are, that are everywhere. Um, you know, all you have to do is go on the internet and find out where they hold weekly Super Smash Brothers tournaments in your town, and you'd be surprised at how close the nearest weekly tournament is. Right. And, uh, and I would, I would add to yeah. your statements here, though, um, that it's. I understand what you say; it's complicated because, and it is because pre-internet, or you know, even in just the early days of the internet. Uh, the fighting game community, the FGC for short, as it were, was really not this kind of big understood thing like it is now. Uh, but right. it was really, you know, a bunch of people piecing things together in their neighborhoods and, you know, trying to make it happen that way. But it really is like most things gaming related, actually most things, period, uh, on the back of the internet that we have the crazy you know, competitive scene that's out there now where, you know, every, as after a game comes out, the, the meta game is changing on a daily basis and everybody everywhere 
has to it's on everybody everywhere to know about that and keep up if they're trying to maintain competitive. I mean, basic things like online play now, even though in most cases it's pretty whack, but the fact that it's there allows you to have that interaction with people who are playing the game everywhere, not to mention the massive explosion and growth of things like Evo. And now the fact that they're, as you said, now there are tournaments all over the place. Yeah, there are tournaments all over the place. Um, and, and they're all being streamed, too. They're, and, and now they're all being streamed live and down on every level. There was, you know, you can, you can watch Evo and you can watch Apex and you can watch all of these big fighting game tournaments. Um, but you can also watch two dudes streaming themselves playing Street Fighter from their couch. Right. I mean, it goes it goes all the way down to the most basic level, and and increasingly, it is difficult for you to remain detached from the from the greater international fighting game tournament if you play even a little bit of fighting games, because that's a good point. All you have to all you have to do really is is you know, like I said, just check out the internet. Maybe you're unsure about something and you go on the internet and boom, you've just fallen into the rabbit hole. Like it's that easy now. Not, you don't even have to do that because now if you're a modern person playing on a modern console, turn on the game because now yep. turn on, even if you turn on something like street fighter, you know, and you start toying around with any of the online modes. First thing that's going to happen is that you're going to get completely annihilated. Yep. And then you're probably going to be like, well, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> and actually, I think one of the things that's still kind of an element in the fighting game world, at least when it comes to like people who don't know, is that uh, there's this element of people who had played at least a little bit back in going all the way back to the Street Fighter 2 days. Mm-hmm. And again, back then, it was just like you and whoever at the arcade in your area and you may have thought you were hot shit or whatever because Big Joey from, you know, <laughs> three blocks down the street was uh, <laughs> the only guy that kind of knew what he was doing and bodied everybody. Then you cleaned his clock. Woo. So now you're the top dog. Yeah. But it was all big fish, small pond. Now you're in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going back to the pond. You can't, as you said, you can't, you can't even be detached anymore. Because anybody who plays fighting games even remotely seriously, even semi-seriously, is paying attention to all the stuff that goes on online. Yeah, and like like I said, it, it's just it's just too intertwined now for you to uh, for for you to remain detached. Now, it, there's a there's a really good. Um, fan-made documentary about the Super Smash Brothers scene that came out, and I, I, I found a lot of parallels of what happened in the early days of Super Smash Brothers, of what's happening, of what happened in, in my own childhood, right? Um, in Back in the early days of Street, of, um, Street Fighter, of Super Smash Brothers, pretty much when Melee came out, um, people started to understand the game uh, beyond its original intention, right? Uh, people have started to figure out how fast the game could actually be played. Right. Uh, people started to figure out how you could move your character beyond what was, what was initially known. Right. And the, 
games started to take off, right? Right. Uh, way more than the original one did. Absolutely. Now, this this is sort of like uh, this is sort of like the invention of fire, where you, it can be traced to like it being discovered independently around the same time at different civilizations around the world, right? Right. Where it was like people over here figured it out. Uh, probably within the same decade as the people on the other side of the known world figured it out. Right. And everybody just sort of figured it out. Same thing with like, uh, with like weapons, right? Like people figured out how to make stones sharper and use them as weapons, humans, tribes all over the world at the same time, all over the place. Right. So this happens in, uh, Japan. This happened in, uh, on, on the West coast of the United States and on the East coast of the United States. And as people started to travel and as the internet started to blow up and as Smashboards became a thing, uh, people started to, people, you know, started to move outside of their own crew, their neighborhood crew or their town or whatever, and attend tournaments elsewhere. And here you had all of these people from all different parts of the world who are all figuring this out together simultaneously. And then putting them into play here and then figuring out from there how the, the global structure of the game at a competitive level was going to work. And it took, right. a few, and it took a few years, but it, it was a, it was a fascinating process. Now I remember, you know, not considering myself part of the quote unquote scene being, you know, 14, 15 years old playing super smash brothers and, uh, ending up at a GameStop in the mall or something and them having a, uh, a like console set up with melee and me and my friends going up and being like, Oh shit, melee. And there be there. And I've told you this story where like, we, we go there and there's already a group of kids there playing it. And they're like, yo, your, your best two versus our best two doubles crew like, battle. like crew battle like no items this is before i've ever gone to a tournament this is before anything um you know your your best two versus our best two no items fd you know and we're like oh shit these kids are serious and we got it it would be it would be um it would be revisionist history for me to say that we only got bodied It was, it was, a it was crew genocide. It was, <laughs> genocide. It, it was awful. We all died after that. And we, and, and I remember we, we left with our, with our tails between our legs. Like we, we were like, we'll never speak of this again. Like, <laughs> it was so bad. These kids really knew what they were doing. And these kids were from our town. You know what I mean? These were, this was just another crew who, who was more involved in the scene and understood the metagame much better than we did. But it, it at, ver- at the very least piqued my interest. Right. And by the time I got to college and that was another, that was another like step in the, you know, in my own personal experience, that was sort of like a global step also where people started to meet up with other people who understood it. I got to college and, you know, everybody in the damn building was playing super smash brothers and you know, the, the, the people who understood it the way that I understood it, um, sort of 
gelled together and there was there was definitely a huge fighting game community uh, at the college level because there's all these people coming from all over the place all in one spot see I think it's very interesting well there's a couple of interesting things you said the first is that you kind of had a watershed moment early on mm-hmm. because one of the things like I was saying is that for a lot of people you know you don't even get that kind of exposure to higher level play when you're just in those kind of earlier days where people were just toying around with other people in their neighborhood. Uh, cause even if I think back way back now going into when I was in high school talking like, what is this? 2003, 2004. And, uh, you know, just being a couple of neighborhood people here playing like NBC two. Yep. And, you know, everybody thinking that they were hot because, you know, people could do some basic, uh, switching characters during the middle of a hyper combo. Woo! You know, like, <laughs> like, you just thought we wanted some next level of shit right there. Yeah. But, uh, now is where I can get into my story a little bit because I think what happened to me is a little more indicative to what happened to a lot of people. Definitely, uh, leading into this, you know, the quote unquote renaissance. Uh, because you're right to say that. Uh, we were fortunate to be coming of age at the same time as the internet was starting to really grease the wheels of the entire community's engine. Right, and bringing together all of these people who were sort of like independently around the world operating, figuring these things out and operating their local scenes. Exactly. Because, of course, I arrived at, at our college a year before you did, where I met, uh, of course, our good friend Kevin. Shout out to Kevin. And uh, to the the reason why earlier in this conversation where you were like, was it a decade? And I was able to say flat out decade is because I had not played a Capcom fighting game at all to that point. Wow. Until I reached college, I had never touched a Street Fighter game ever. I just never had had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when I met Kevin and then he, of course, at the time still is, uh, quite obsessed with uh, Third Strike. Yeah. For good reason. Best game. Yeah, for, for, for very good reason. But So he was like, the fateful words, do you want to play? And <laughs> from there launched a, a, a lifetime worth of horrific defeat. Some learning, uh, actually uh, quite a lot of learning about myself and how I played games in general. Uh, and a lot of friendship building, too. Because as you said, we were very fortunate to be in a dorm which was basically bursting at the rafters with nerds. Yeah. So having gigantic building-wide gaming community was, you know, a fact of life for us. (laughs) Only later do we find out, what do you mean people didn't have that? Yeah. (laughs) Of course everybody in the building played Smash Brothers at a competitive level. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, um, and I think this is a useful part of the conversation to have too, is that fighting games to me are like, I think it's the most, I don't know if pure is the right word, but certainly the most interesting form of competition to me, because one thing, especially if we go back a little bit to when we had our shooter discussion a couple months ago, one of the things that consistently irritates people like Big Zeke is that. In shooters, 
if you're a shite player, you can hide behind your team in a lot of games, particularly in newer design games, like the Call of Duty revolution. The design revolution of Call of Duty is basically saying, hey, we know that most people are whack, so we are designing our game to reflect that fact. Mm-hmm. You know, we're designing our game to make it easier for people to feel themselves. Yeah. You know, they're not necessarily, they're not good by any objective measure, but, you know, when you start getting to the first kill streaks and, you know, you take out a few cats, then you're going to be like, hey. Yeah. But, or, even you know, if, or even if you just die a couple times in a row, we'll give you something. Yeah, well, you, we'll give you something, but I'm saying that in, when you die a couple times, they give you something and then you get to take out a few people, you know, every it, everybody wins. Yeah, everybody wins. Uh, fighting games are the complete antithesis of that. Right. And I think it's important to say that it, it, um, it can seem, it can definitely seem scary. Uh, because seem, it is scary. It is scary <laughs> because you're, you're putting, you're putting yourself out, uh, out there, right? Yep. There is no place for you to go, right? There's no running. There's no hiding. There's no running. There's no hiding. It's, it's you and one other person, and you both have a life bar and a controller. And uh, it's been likened to many things. Uh, it's been likened to speed chess. Um, it's been likened to, uh, you know, ver- various, like, high thought processes, one-on-one type systems, right? Right. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's start, we're, we're starting to get to the point now where we've accepted this narrative where fighting games are great. And the reason why people like them is because it's much more than the ability to push buttons on a controller, right? Far, far more, far more. So this happened a long time ago where Everybody decided, okay, it's it's way bigger than this. We're not we're not just wailing on our controllers in hopes that the other person dies first, right? Uh, it's it's much deeper than that. Though sadly, a lot of people still think it's just randomly mashing buttons on a controller. Right. Um, the the thing the thing is is that in recent years, you know, since since the since the the great accepting of of that of that narrative. And uh, the the overall push towards you know how um, towards towards like a greater understanding of not only the game but of your opponent, um, we've wanted to maintain it as much as possible. And now it's sort of coming full circle where uh, the people who are building fighting games are trying to uh, are, are trying to build it in a line. With this narrative, right? Um, Street Fighter Five is coming out uh, early next year, right? And there is a long, uh, there is a, a long interview with um, with a guy named Eric Eric Albino, uh, who goes by the name um, Juicebox, and ah, Juicebox, yep. yes, and uh, personality, he, right. And he does, and he does this interview with Peter Roses, who goes by Combo Fiend, uh, 
Yep. Uh, Combo Fiend and Juice Box are both pretty well known. Uh, there's this interview on Sure You Can, which is uh, a, a great news website for all things fighting game community related, about the uh, the upcoming Street Fighter V. And the title of it is uh, a quote from Combo Fiend that comes up during the interview. And he says, uh, quote, we don't want players to fight the game. We want them to fight the other person. Meaning... Um, one of the, one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest, uh, I would say speed bumps on your road towards the fighting game community and high level fighting game playing is, uh, understanding all of the mechanics built into the game, uh, doing, um, shooting, shooting a fireball in street fighter is going to be the first thing that you learn. And it's, even though it's the first thing that you learn how to do. It might take you an hour to be able to do it five times in a row. Oh well, you're you're being quite nice because uh, I'm glad we're getting to this part of the conversation because this is the part that is nearest and dearest to me. Yeah. Because uh, the second part of my story was that uh, though I played and still dabble at least in fighting games, uh, I mostly had to. The sad part is I mostly had to say to myself, okay, there's definitely a wall that I am not going to climb over without a Herculean effort that I was simply not willing to uh, put in. And one of of the main walls is what you just said. The whole idea of being able to interact with the game at a basic level. Because for me, the kind of the the infamous story among our group became how it took me, you said an hour, it took me two weeks to learn how to do a fireball. Yeah, well, I want to say like an hour for you to initially feel the movement, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's muscle memory, right? It is. And it it comes down to a lot of things, like one, uh, your your natural dexterity, um, you know, how, how well you can train, you know, f- fine you know, fine motor movements in your hands. And then, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's assumed that you should be able to pull off of these moves in the middle of a match at all times without thinking about it. Right. You need to, you need to build an incredible amount of muscle memory in a game like street fighter for you to, uh, you know, be able to pull off the moves, um, just sort of as soon as your reaction time tells you to do it. And the, the big takeaway from this interview, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes is, um, is that for street fighter five and like sort of going forward, um, people, you know, like I was saying, like they, they, they have this narrative where it's, it's more mind games than anything else. It's more like a chess match than anything else. Right. And if you watched the Street Fighter four finals at Evo, you know exactly what, what I'm talking about. And they want this roadblock to be less of a roadblock. So, you know, in, in developing Street Fighter five and then, you know, going ahead with other projects that are coming out, um, they want you to be able to get to the mind games part faster, because ultimately that's what makes the makes you a good fighting game player, not the ability to pull off the moves. Anybody can learn how to pull off the moves, but once you're there, then you start to say, okay, uh, what is, 
what is my opponent going to do? What do I think he is going to do based on the type of person that this person is and the character that he's playing and the character that I'm playing? And when he does the thing that I think that he's going to do, how am I going to respond? And this, this goes all the way – this goes as deep into – like assuming you're correct in guessing what, this, what your opponent is going to do, which you know already sounds impossible. Right. You have to know uh, at least, at, least the, at, the, at the very end of what is currently the meta. Um, you need to know uh, what move you're going to do in response to that move, but you also need to know why you're going to use that move. You need to know that the move that you're going to use, you're going to use it because it has priority over the assumed move that the opponent's going to use. Uh, you have to assume that it's going to land. And if it does land, what are you going to do in response to that? How are you going to how are you going to link that into a special? How are you going to, uh, you know, reposition yourself to trip up your opponent after this lands? You, you basically have to have an entire string of thoughts built up for an assumed, you know, uh, movement that can be as small as, you know, opening yourself up for a few frames. And all of this needs to be... Uh, all of this, all of this is built on the foundation assumed that you have this muscle memory as that foundation. Right. So it's like, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. I mean, I would re well, I'm going to rephrase a couple things you said, but yeah. Um, what you, a lot of that is 100%, which is that you really have when you are uh, the difference between a, you know, regular people just kind of like, ha, 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 Blanca, ha, ha, ha. And competitive people is that, there is that level of forethought and probability management, I would also add. Yeah. Because whatever you do in a given character versus character situation or going a layer below that, a player versus player situation, there is an action and a potential reaction. So... At any given time, you have to decide, okay, well, if I use this move, am I opening myself up to get, you know, completely annihilated right off the bat, which is a decision you made based A, off of your character's properties versus their character's properties, and B, your tendency as a player versus the other person's tendencies as a player. Uh, this is why the, you know, their competitive game can be so interesting in the fighting game world because you get players who will have huge histories of playing against one another and it gets into this giant you know that I know that you know that I know that you know that I know yeah and it just can get really really overwhelming now to go back to the overall point of getting people to play all that stuff we just described that's after this is after you yeah. know how to do all this is, the this is way after combos for your given character. Yeah, you know you're not even you're not playing Street Fighter or Guilty Gear or to a lesser extent Tekken and, or any of these games uh, before you even know all the moves because you have to have that physical vocabulary nailed down pat 
before you could even get to the part where you're strategizing. For me, that was my that was my killer stumbling block. Sure, because and, and it is sat, for a lot I of people. I sat here with you know Snacks and all these other guys who do know enough of the physical vocabulary to be able to play the strategic game, and I can we can talk strategy all day long. But I can't do any of that when I play because I can't do any moves or combos. Well, actually, I can do moves, but I can't do combos. That's been my stumbling block. It's difficult. So I feel, literally I cannot play Street Fighter. So, you know, I remain a certain degree skeptical of, you know, like what the interview you mentioned earlier, uh, Combo Fiend has been out on the press circuit lately trying to be like, hey, this is going to be the game where it's not going to be ridiculously difficult just to even start playing the game. But they also said that for Street Fighter 4. I mean, the ultra mechanic in Street Fighter 4, for those who don't know, the ultra mechanic is basically this ridiculous super move you can get uh, based on how much damage you took. And if you activate this super, then you can take off, depending on the character, between 50 to 75% of the other person's health in one shot. Which makes it a very good... The theory being that it's a comeback move for people who are whack to kind of keep things interesting. Problem is that if you're somebody like me, I can never use an ultra in an actual match situation because to use it just on, let's say, a, a basic Shoto character like I can or you, you have to do double quarter circle forward and then three buttons, which is a very hard motion to nail, you know, at the drop of a hat. Also considering that if you just throw the ultra out there, you know, randomly you're almost always going to get blocked and it was useless. So you have to link it in to part of a combo, which requires yet another layer of physical dexterity. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of roadblocking here. So, But this does bring up the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, fine game related, which I did mention to you, Snack, oh, a little while ago, which was uh, kind of one of the big community pillars, a gentleman by the name of Seth Killian, mm-hmm. uh, who used to work at Capcom and then at Sony for a while, but it now works at a studio uh, founded by the Cannon brothers, Tom and Tony Cannon, who are the guys that actually, along with Seth Killian, who created Evo, uh, they are working on a game called Rising Thunder. Yep. Uh, Seth Killian has also been on the press circuit as of late. And he's been talking about precisely all the things that I just described, which is the idea that the the quote that stuck out to me was him saying that if he tells 20 people, he left to evangelize about fighting games because he's a good bit older than us. He's been playing games while we were in diapers. So he said, if I go out and tell 20 people about how awesome fighting games are, maybe one of them will actually have the experience that I have. And the reason is because, and he goes on to describe this in detail, he's saying we're basically asking people to drop $60 on a game and then spend six months to a year getting that physical vocabulary we were talking about. And then you're possibly playing the game, which you can then decide if you like or do not like based on the strategic merits. Right. And at that point, you still only might be playing the game. You might be playing the game. Right. And this is why the community is so important because 
you know, and uh, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you get to the point that you're going to make. Cause I know it, I know where you're going with this, but like, um, if you're going in there blind, just picking up a game and seeing, saying, Oh, I, I might like it. Um, but they say once you, you know, like, but at, you're at the cash register or whatever, and you're buying the game and the person's like, Oh, do you like this game? It's like, well, you know, you might like it. Um, but you give, you have to give it a year first. You have to play it regularly for a year and then, you know, then you might understand how it all works. And this is why the community is so important is because, you know, that amount of time can be shortened significantly if you're, if you're have a, a Sherpa, if you will. Uh, it can be, but even so, there's only so, again, from personal experience, I can tell you, there's only so far other people can take you. Because ultimately, it comes down to, can you do this, you know, action, or can't you? And it is a it is a 100% objective thing in that the game will tell you, did you do it or did you not? And if you cannot do it, that's kind of it. You know, at some level, there can be suggestions on how to do certain things or uh, a good player might say, okay, well, you might want to try this character because their stuff is not quite as complicated given that you, you seem to struggle with this particular kind of motion. But at the end of the day, it's really... What, what, what somewhat attracts me to fighting games it also has literally locked me out because uh, what attracts me is this idea of do it or you don't do it. There is no in-between. There's no ambiguity... You know, and that's that's true of the fighting game genre as a whole. Like I said, there's no hiding behind teammates. There's no there's no discussion of oh well if I did this at this moment. Da, 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 da. No, there's a life bar. It's clear as can be. Yep. Did you get scraped or did you not get scraped? <laughs> Period. Yeah. Did, did you do what you were supposed to do or did you not do what you were supposed to do? There and and there are no excuses. And there are no excuses. You can't be like, oh, well, uh, you know, I dropped my control or some stupidness. Like, no. Yeah. You lost. You lost, uh, and it was nobody else's fault. Yeah, and it's no, that's the other key thing. It is nobody else's fault but your own. Yeah. And it's, that's a very, it's, that's, um, like I said, it's intimidating, but it's also a huge draw for the people who are into the fighting game community. Because, you know, it's, it's at the, at the very same token is like you saying like, oh, I, uh, I have no excuse for my loss other than my, you know, myself. Um, you also get that. True for it's also true for the, for the winner. Uh, they can go out there and say, I, I understand this game and my opponent better than my opponent understands me and the game. Right. Um, I, I am the victor and I deserve 100% of the credit for this victory. Right. And it's great because it, it, uh, it's, it's a catalyst for this huge hype culture that surrounds fighting game community. Right. And, um, it's, uh, it's one of the most successful and the most unique competitive scenes of, of all 
sports of all esports. Definitely. So it's see, fighting games should by rights be a bigger deal than it is, and it's getting there. Right. You know, obviously every year Evo is pulling bigger and bigger numbers for very good reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, the reason I think outside of Evo that it's still kind of flagging to a certain degree is going back to the thing that Combo Fiend is giving lip service to and Seth Killian is talking about, which is the idea that even if you have people who are interested, you know, it really is a tremendous ask to say, oh, well... You know, if you put in a year, you might be able to start doing something. Uh, And this is where I can sort of kind of ding the community now, because for a lot of people, and Seth Killing does say this too, for a lot of people in the community, the response to that is simply get good. Right. And here, here's, here's where we have to have the discussion that a lot of people aren't going to want to have. And it's, and it's going to end up being, uh, something that probably won't ever get resolved because it's, it's a, it's a conversation that is not even exclusive to the fighting game community. Mm-hmm. What you were talking about with the game that Seth Killian is coming out with or, or is, is working on, or is at least doing PR for or all of the above is uh, a game that is going to try and remove a lot of the initial speed bumps, right? Precisely. Um, you know, oh, Rise of Thunder. trying, right. Rise of Thunder is a game that's going to aim to, you know, give the people who in theory would be excellent at a game like Street Fighter, a chance to make it, uh, make it competitively without all of the, you know, the rigmarole of, of building an entire set of muscle memory in order to compete at that level, or at least to begin to compete at that level. So, the conversation that that needs to have and is sort of ongoing, especially in today's day and age and um, where a lot of people aren't having it and we've brought it up a little bit earlier is, you know, the, the people in the fighting game community and this is specific, this is specific to the, this particular instance is specific to the fighting game community, but this is going on all around the gaming industry among, among players is will you sacrifice a little bit of inaccessibility for a greater overall scene. And, you know, we've talked about how gaming really isn't at that point where it's 100% totally uh, a socially acceptable thing to do, despite all of the staggering numbers and despite the amount of money it brings in and despite how popular it is, it still has a little bit of the old stigma left over from the late 70s, early 80s, where it's it's all a bunch of, you know, like nerdy kids doing their thing. And, you know, a, a lot of people who are into gaming kind of retain a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, Yep. you know, and will say, uh, you know, good, we don't want you to like it. This is our thing, you know get out of here, get good, you know, Yeah. get out of here, get good. And, you know, it, it's a scary thought to go up to somebody who, who has this thing and that can call it their own and can say, I am, I am a gamer. I am, uh, I am enveloped by the video game world. Um, and I am, I can honestly look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm good at this game. That is a hard game to play. And then you have, you know, someone like Seth Killian who's coming out and saying like, you know what, if we make it a little bit easier, um, you might not be as stigmatized as you are and the community will 
will be bigger and better theoretically. Right. And, but at the same time, a lot of people will feel like something is being taken away from them. Let me pause you for that second there too. Cause the other part is that, uh, one of the reasons on t- you're right to say that there's the kind of the social aspect of why people are kind of like, get good. But then there's also the aspect of, well, I put the time in and I can play the game. So why should we dumb it down for you? Exactly. So that, that also contributes to the chip on the shoulder. But as you said, people like Seth Killing are looking at the big picture of, well, if we want this thing to stay, keep going, uh, we have to make sure that it's not ridiculously difficult for people to get in. And like I said, definitely with fighting games, in my mind, fighting games should be bigger than something like a Dota or a League. Because it's just something that's so pure. In one sense, it's very, very simple. But it gets, obviously, the rabbit hole goes extremely deep. But uh, something like fighting games should be so much bigger because there's so much more readily available to a player. I mean, you have to have a pretty decent PC to run all of these, you know, huge uh, multiplayer hits from, you know, like Dota or, or League or whatever. Uh, not that deep. But yeah, you know, you got to have a PC that can run some games. Yeah. But for Street Fighter, you know, all you need is any of these, you know, random consoles that are about. And in 360 or PS3, you can now get dirt cheap. You don't even need to have an arcade stick. You can play on pad. And even if you want the arcade stick, that's not a... You can get one at this state, at this state for not a tremendous amount more investment. Yeah. It's not going to break the bank. It's not going to break the bank. So in my mind, this should be a much, much bigger deal than anything else out there because it's so much easier to, and just watching it, because remember we said having that first discussion of, let's say, remember when uh, Heroes of the Storm made it to ESPN, which of course I'm sure is Blizzard greased the wheels of that because they're trying to get <laughs> their thing in front of uh, a, as big an audience as possible. Yep. But... To me, fighting games is the natural standard bearer for esports because you people talk about with esports, oh, we want regular people to be able to watch this, just like someone's mom, stereotypically speaking, uh, may not be a football fan, but will still be able to watch and comprehend the game. I cannot see a scenario, and who knows, it may happen in the future, but I cannot see a scenario where you can have somebody's mom who is otherwise completely uninitiated into Dota and is going to watch that and be like, oh, I completely understood what happened there. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 we were, we were, right before we started recording, we were talking about, um, we were talking about RTSs. And right. I've played plenty of RTSs. I'm not good at them, but I, I've watched, I've watched uh, StarCraft streams where I've been like, I actually don't know what's going on. And I've played that game. And you've played the game. And I've played the game. It's, it's, um, I mean, the, the thing I will give to uh, Dota and League is that um, the victory conditions are very unambiguous. You know, you, you sort of just like destroy this one thing, right? Right. Um, but... Again, a lot more is happening, and it's five on five, right? Um, fighting games is the the most the, like far and away of all of all video games that can be watched uh, rather than played. 
is far and away the easiest to comprehend what is happening. Right. At least the easiest to comprehend, um, or at least like from, from like face value, the the least amount of things to take in. Right. It's just, it's just two people on the screen hitting each other and one dies and the other one doesn't. And you don't even, and to the person who is not playing the game, you don't even need to explain like the button combinations and stuff like that. Because all you have to, if someone wants to get a deeper understanding of fighting games, but they don't play them, all you have to do is start explaining concepts like space control. The idea that, you know, you're playing, uh, when you're playing a fighting game, the entire point of the game is to control as much of the screen as possible. Right. You don't need to, you don't need to understand what an FADC is. Um, or, or how to plink, uh, right. in order to watch and understand and appreciate, uh, you know, the, the mind games that are going on exactly. just, just from spacing. Exactly. So to kind of getting back on the main point is that, uh, with rising thunder, Seth Killian hopes to put out a game that can actually kind of move the needle on this particular aspect of fighting games and i am really rooting for him to do well because one thing i've said i mean people hear this and be like well you were just butthurt which to a certain degree sure i was butthurt but certainly after i failed utterly to be able to get to the strategic level of playing fighting games i certainly was there like damn i really like this playing these games but you know, I'm at the same time, I really cannot uh, sit here and pour endless hours into it and not really get any results out of it and still not know what's going on. Yeah. So to get a game, if, if he can, even if, God forbid, his game is not successful, I am hoping at least it is influential in the design conversation going forward because this is what I want to see. I wanted to see fighting games evolve. That's another thing that can be said is that anybody who's been following fighting games, just like what games are coming out and what, what are kind of the features of them for the last like five, six years since there was the quote unquote renaissance, mm-hmm. uh, there has not really been a whole lot of innovation, really. You know, we've had some things like challenge mode become standard, right? you know, where yeah. everybody Every character has a list of combos that everybody has to try to complete. But outside of... And now, all games outside Capcom games have pretty in-depth tutorial modes, which is a start. But even to do those still requires a pretty hefty time requirement. And they can only get you so far. So I really want to see some kind of evolution. Actually, this kind of loops us back to talking about yet again. Smash Brothers. Because I think Smash Brothers represents uh, kind of where fighting games, generally speaking, are trying to go. Not necessarily that it has to be a four-player platforming-based fighting style, but the whole idea of that in classic Nintendo design, Smash Brothers is very easy to just get started playing. Yeah, right. You need to know almost nothing to manipulate a character to a very good level. Yeah, and then at the same time, you can argue that, you know, there's no way that anybody who 
you know, picks up the game and have been playing it all day and says to themselves, you know, I, I can comfortably pull off these moves and move my character around. Like, there's no way that that person would even be able to step foot in Evo and do well. Absolutely not. Because there still is a significant metagame built into uh, Smash Brothers. Yeah, and even, I would say that even Masahiro Sakurai, the creator of Smash Brothers, underestimates this particular value of his own creation. Uh, I think even he underestimates just how subversive this game series is because the fact that regular people can get started playing Smash Brothers with a minimum of effort mm-hmm. and start getting to that strategic level in a matter of days rather than a matter of weeks, months, and years is an extremely, extremely powerful thing, which goes to show you, by the way, why even though it is still being argued whether or not it is quote-unquote a fighting game within the community, it is easily outside of street fighter itself it is easily the biggest draw uh yeah and all you have to do is look at the numbers um because it had the second most amount of uh entrance at behind street fighter so it's it's definitely um it's definitely there and and smash brothers is uh or at least the community is is sort of uh had a very heavy hand in building the overall fighting game community as it exists today, uh, with it, with, you know, Smashboards, which is, um, the, you know, the hub, the central hub of the competitive street, uh, competitive Smash Brothers scene. And, you know, the, uh, sort of the, the tournament builds for Smash Brothers is, you know, and, and the, the like community, based uh tier lists and you know rule sets and all this other stuff uh smash brothers uh spearheaded a lot of that so um if if other fighting games could uh model the um the early stages of learning how to play the same way that smash brothers has it but also find a way to build in like a long, long, long metagame. They could all be as accessible and viably competitive as Super Smash Brothers. Absolutely. And Um, I don't think there's a particular reason why that cannot be the case, other than the fact that I don't think, again, outside of Seth Killing, which is why I give him so much props for this uh, current game, is that I don't think that there's been a lot of real thought about it because I think folks are so entrenched in the old model. I mean, hell, if you even look at the, I just alluded to the discussion of is Smash a fighting game or not? Yeah. Cause there are people who argue that it is not. And again, like the biggest, the biggest roadblock for any changes in, in the hardcore fighting game community, uh, you know, in, in terms of accessibility is they, you know, this, this chip on the average gamer's shoulder that it, it needs to be inaccessible because it's, it's sort of like our thing, which is, um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that that is not a a valid reason. I understand, but it is, uh, it is, um, backwards and, and juvenile. And I can't say that I don't totally see where they're coming from, but, 
if you want if you if you want it to move forward, you have to you have to progress in some way. And I, Seth Killian is doing a. I would say it's a very brave thing. Oh, absolutely, because you're now putting your your economic livelihood on this thing. Yep. Uh, so that said, he's doing the free to play model, you know, based on selling cosmetics for an otherwise totally free game. So at the very, which is also very smart, by the way, because now in addition to trying to remove the play barrier, you also remove the economic barrier. Yep. He's not the first to do this because there was also uh, Tekken Revolution, the free to play PS3 game, and Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct also uh, Dead or Alive. I forgot what, what it was called, but it was the, dead or, the free version of Dead or Alive as well. Mm-hmm. They kind of took a different tactic where they only let you play a couple of characters and then you like bought other characters you want to play. Yeah. Uh, but both Namco and Tecmo Koei said that they both games were extremely successful for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm curious, and like Tekken 7 being rolled to arcade, sure, but I'm curious to see if they decide to go that route, uh, the free-to-play route, in general, when if they if and when they do a console release, they'd better man. I I I need I need T seven to come to console. I need it. Well, you know it's interesting because Tekken side conversation real quick. Tekken used to be like one of the biggest franchises in gaming. Period. It was the first fighting. It was the first fighting game that I was really into. A lot of people would say that as well, and I think one of the things that made it big was. That, you know, when it hit the scene, remember, this is the PlayStation 1 days, so you really didn't have that many games that were visually impressive. This is still the, the age where a game that was sufficiently visually impressive could sell itself on that alone. Yeah, yeah. And Tekken has always been, uh, you know, Namco's developers have always kept it in the forefront of graphics technology. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately... We have now reached a point where even the crappiest games have amazing graphics. Yep. So Tekken can no longer sell itself just on that. So I think what you've seen is a lot of the, you know, casual graphics for a player base has fallen away. So now you're really left with just the people who are actually interested in the game. Uh, which is which a is great a dramatically thing. smaller amount. Yeah. So it is my hope that... Namco will be able to do something to kind of keep, you know, some feet coming through the door. Yeah. Tekken's awesome. Yeah, Tekken is Tekken is great. I I sort of I sort of fell off when I got into Street Fighter, but um it, they consistently come out with great games and I'm actually really uh really stoked on Tekken 7 that I, I really want uh I really want a console release. Um an arcade release wouldn't be so bad. I would still at least get to play it as long as they brought it to North America because, you know, we live in the New York area. So like it would definitely at least be here, but, uh, a console release I would, I would be happy with. Um, that'd be my preference, my, my preference. Um, but we are, uh, we are past the one hour mark, uh, easily. We could go forever and ever, forever and ever and ever. Um, this will not be our last conversation about, uh, the fighting community. It wasn't our first. It will not be our last. Um, we will probably go uh, more in depth in like the esports side and you know other fighting games uh, and stuff like that uh, in uh, future weeks. Um, but there's a lot to think about with the future of fighting games, uh, the future of uh, gaming accessibility in general, 
and uh, that's that's definitely a recurring theme here at Frog Snacks, but um, it's it's uh, important, and it's probably more important than you think it is if you don't already think about it as much as we do. Um, so give that a thought. Uh, I'm gonna link I'm gonna link that interview in the show notes. It's uh, important and relevant. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to watch any of the Evo stuff, uh, go on YouTube. It's there. Uh, and it was great. And how dare you? And why didn't you watch it? What's wrong with you? Uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, peace out. Later.